0: Welcome back to our PropTech Ireland Property Matters Summer Special on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iProperty Radio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Hello and welcome to this week's uh, Summer Special of Property Matters on Dublin South FM in association with PropTech Ireland. As regular listeners will know, the Property Matters has taken a break for August and we are using this time to actually catch up with some of the prop tech providers around Ireland. Uh, last week, we were down in Kerry meeting with uh, Standard Access down in Dingle. And next week, we'll be speaking to actually an investor, an Irish based investor in a UK prop tech uh, startup. But for today, we're talking to Anna Downs, CEO and and co-founder of Video Sharpa. So Anna, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Not at all. Thanks for having me. And um, So Anna, first of all, you know, I, I, it has been pointed out to me that we've definitely had a, a West Coast uh, leaning on this series. So you're based in Galway?
1: That's right. We're based out of the Porter Shed, a co-working space in Galway City Centre.
0: Oh, very good. Now, Anna, we've spoken to you previously on the show and it was under uh, the guise of Showhouse. So, look, today we actually have an opportunity to to talk about not just your business, but also kind of the, the ecosystem for PropTech startups in Ireland. So, look, I might just take you back a step before Sharpa into um, Showhouse. And when when did you start that business?
1: showhouse started uh in 2016 we we had the idea for a video software solution that companies could use themselves to create high quality video content themselves Um, but to do so in a very easy way very streamlined process that anybody could manage our background is in video production and in marketing so we had we had this idea, we understood that companies needed more and more video content to share on all the different social channels that they try and maintain, and that it wasn't just a case of needing one or two videos a year, that they actually needed video constantly on an ongoing basis to keep that conversation going with all the various audiences that they're trying to connect with. So when they typically want to create video content... They hire someone to do it but if you want to create content on a regular basis then that quickly becomes unsustainable in terms of you know cost and everything the the price becomes a real barrier
0: yeah absolutely um,
1: and we would have been one of those companies that people hired to come in and create those videos for them so yeah. we understood the problem we understood the pain they had and that they needed content started quickly almost on the spot when a, a, an opportunity arose they didn't want to have to wait a week to book somebody and arrange, you know, uh, to arrange the the filming and then wait a couple of days for a draft edit and so on. You know, we've gone to the point now where videos you need almost that day or certainly within 24 hours.
0: Well, particularly in the so, property space. So it makes sense that that's one you would have targeted.
1: Exactly. And actually, we had just ourselves come through the process of selling our house, buying a new house and being from the video space, we were sort of shocked actually at the lack of video available because it just made so much sense. It's such a good way for somebody who's looking to buy to have a taste of it, to have like a teaser of what the property is like. I think uh, it really kind of gets you into the space much more directly than just some photographs and a you know, a big long piece of text describing it. So absolutely, we were but it's
0: also yeah, no, but it's also such a time efficiency as well, because actually, um, a video around the property, unlike photographs, showcases more of the property, which means if it's not suitable, people who won't like the property tend not to turn up to reviewing. So there's an added benefit there that um in terms of productivity for estate agents that completely got lost in the early days of the conversation about video.
1: Not only got lost, I think actually that was a barrier for uh, a lot of the agents that we spoke to. There was a sense that it was a missed opportunity for them, that if somebody looked at a video of a property and decided it wasn't for them, that this was somehow negative, that they missed the opportunity to meet them in the flesh talk to them and, and actually that they could kind of convince them that there would be something um, that they were selling that would be suitable. So that's that's a, a response that we actually got a lot at the very start.
0: Wow. And that just doesn't make sense at all. You know, you won't talk somebody into the wrong property, certainly um you know, actually, if anything, that shows that there's such a disconnect between property sales and how consumers want to actually consume property, whether it's for buying or letting. You know, there has been a disconnect in Ireland and certainly, you know, the, the Irish e- industry, in my opinion, has been too slow to pick up on this. And it's something that we noticed actually at the start of COVID. You know, the services that had been on offer for three and four years, suddenly in February of this year, everybody wanted it. Um, like inquiries into PropTech Ireland uh, multiplied and we tried to put it out to the PropTech providers. But unfortunately, the PropTech providers just weren't in a position to cater to all the demand at that time. You know, suddenly we had what would have been years worth of demand all required in one month. It just wasn't
1: sustainable. There was a huge increase in inquiries. Absolutely. You're right. I think the property industry has has had to catch up very, very quickly um, on in terms of what the consumer actually is looking for, and the way that people consume information now has changed dramatically. Yeah, you know, even in the last two to three years, how many of us spend time reading long descriptive pieces on a pro, on a on a, on a a product or a property or in anything we're considering looking at or buying, that day is just gone. That's not the way we consume information. And most of us are searching on mobiles and video is the most effective way to share information on a mobile because you're certainly not going to be scrolling through reams of of descriptive information. So I think the penny has dropped. I really do from conversations with people Mm -hmm. Um, because as, you know, obviously people in the property sector, they're also consumers in their own life and they're seeing it. They're seeing it the way that they would look up something new, whether it's, you know, going on holidays or whether it's buying a new piece of furniture or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're all now first and foremost, yeah. we're looking at you look
0: I you don't I, I do feel that we're having very different conversations, uh not just in terms of uh, uh 3d video or 360 video or you know virtual reality and augmented reality right you know right across the spectrum of technology for construction and for the built environment and um, we're just having a different conversation post-covid as we were um maybe in january of this year but look t- just going back to the I, I suppose the origins of um show house you started in 2016 um at the time you went through enterprise ireland
1: we started on the new frontiers program yeah we did we wanted to sort of test the the hypothesis really did we have a business idea did we have something that would actually have legs and that we could grow so new frontiers was a great start because it just allowed you a little bit of time to test your theory and, and to sort of get in under the hood and see was there a viable business there okay did you do that so through galway we did in gmit yeah
0: okay excellent and on foot of that um am i correct in saying you went on to become an enterprise ireland client
1: we did so. Actually, while we were still on new frontiers, we were successful in applying for competitive start funding. So that's Enterprise Ireland's sort of almost first leg of funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fifty thousand euro investment into the company, and they take ten percent equity in the company at that stage. But it is a brilliant first step because they're a really supportive investor, mm-hmm. um, and it's a at that stage of the company that fifty thousand euros gives you a real opportunity to get your you know, your first version of the product out onto the market to actually get face-to-face in front of customers uh, to do your research and to give you the time to just try and get it right Yeah, and listen to what they're saying and respond to what they're saying. Okay, and... So that was critical.
0: Yeah, and that's a fantastic one. You know, it's something that uh, the Competitive Start Fund seems to be one that's very positive feedback about. Uh, Going on a a step further, uh, you became a high-potential startup uh, client. So you had to then go out and seek match funding. Um, Did you do that privately through your own network or uh, did it come from the industry?
1: It came privately through our network. Um, Again, I suppose the, one of the beauties of being based in a co-working space like the Porter Shed means that you have access to this uh, group of like-minded people. You know, there's a lot of startups there. There's a lot of small companies maybe growing into mid-sized companies and a lot of investors and a lot of people interested in the startup industry in Ireland. So we met our first investors there and through them, through HBAN. We met the rest and we got our HBSU in uh, early 2018.
0: Very good. And that was under Show House, not Video Sharper. No,
1: actually. No. At so, this stage now, we had. Mm.
0: Yeah. So, um, just in terms of rollout of the business, because I know I would have um, spoken to you in. Probably 2017, 2018, 2019. And, you know, as a as a startup, getting traction in the market is always a challenge. So in terms of actually, you know, going through the investment cycle, that's all very positive. But in, in going out into the marketplace, uh, you were dealing exclusively with the state agents. Is that it, or was it exclusively with the property industry?
1: It was initially exclusively with property industry, but not just the state agents. We worked with Uh, and still do property management companies uh, some small development companies in the UK uh, worked with interior design companies, anybody who wanted to use video to showcase the properties that they were trying to market or to sell. That's who we, that's who we worked with, but we could see quickly that, well, there was two things going on. One, our our product was equally applicable to lots of other industries and we were getting inquiries from other industries kind of saying, could I not use it as well? Um, And we were finding that the take up within the property sector was much slower than we anticipated and that we needed for it to grow, for our company to grow. So we sort of went back to the drawing board and looked at if we were to take the product that we had already developed and try and apply that and market that into other industries What additional functionality did we need to add to the platform? So we spent time doing our, going back out, doing market research interviews, learning what it is different industries needed. So for example, if higher education institutes want to bring video production in-house and create their own videos, to market to students, what do they need? What other features did they need? So that led us then to apply for HPSU funding to go back and redevelop the platform um, and actually add a lot more bells and whistles to it. So that process really took up um, a lot of 20 uh, Nineteen, and we l- relaunched again uh, in the end of 2019. So VideoSherpa has been on the market again since 20- November 2019.
0: Very good. And look, I, I always think it's very interesting. Uh, part One of the magic words in startup world is definitely pivot. You know, there will at some point come a stage where assumptions that you made uh, might not pan out. But one of the surprising things here is that this is a service that um, objectively the property industry absolutely did need. There was just a really slow coming to the to the realisation for the industry. And I'm not sure why that is. You know, certainly part of me thinks that it was because the bar was so low. So actually you had the industry leaders not doing a great job. So therefore anybody coming after that didn't need to do a great job and you know it was it was a real problem not just in terms of property videos but actually in terms of you know online bidding uh smart contracts uh, across a whole range of things we just had very slow leadership in the property industry now to be fair that has absolutely picked up since 2019 but there was a long wait between 2016 when we saw this uh rash of new startups coming on uh, coming into the marketplace and 2019 before there was really any sign of of, um, traction, you know, so that's definitely an issue. And it's one that I would really love to ensure isn't repeated, you know, and certainly during COVID, when we had inquiries in looking for us to uh, put usually estate agents in contact with uh, people supplying 360 video or poor tours or indeed online bidding systems and smart contracts, anything that would make Uh, the property transaction more um, I suppose seamless and frictionless online then you know I I did find myself saying quite often you know these companies don't exist anymore because they weren't supported by the industry and that's something that we cannot allow happen again you know we're coming through um, in terms of the pandemic response, estate agents uh, have have done a tremendous job, actually, in getting up to speed with the new guidelines, the HSE guidelines. You know, the getting back out there, they've absolutely embraced digital. Uh, remote viewings are are now the primary, and in person viewings are are the secondary protocol. You know, so from that point of view, it has been great, and we've seen all of these technologies go from uh, novelty to necessity. But from from my point of view, we can't not learn the lessons of the past. So we can't, you know, we we need for the industry now to say, look, this is just the start of it. Um, There is a way that consumers want to engage with you and your services, and there needs to be this consistent level of upskilling. It's not just a case that you, okay, now you embrace online bidding or now you embrace smart contracts or uh, property video or whatever it is. It's that this is it for today and next week and next month and next year there needs to be this constant um, levelling up of technologies because that's what consumers expect. That's what our handheld devices have trained us to expect. Uh, I, I, do you think that attitude has changed enough to support um, new PropTechs coming into the marketplace today?
1: Well, I would agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think, um, what you know, the take-up was very slow and there was a sort of a there was a fascination with, oh, look, is this the next thing coming down the tracks now? And people would definitely give you the time to to stop and talk and think about it. But there was a real reluctance to actually embrace doing it differently. Um, and so we would have spent so much time going around talking to people. You know, they would take months to make a decision. And then they decide, no, yeah, that they were going to stick to the way they were doing it anyway. So I think the realisation that... Uh, it, it was almost like oh, it's, a, it's an optional extra. It's a, maybe a nice to have, not a need to have. And I think maybe the scales have fallen now, and people realise actually, it's it's not about are they going to change. It's that their consumers have changed, and they've got to catch up with it. And yeah. that's in every wake of life. We're doing, we're seeing telehealth. People are getting, you know, doctors' appointments on video. People are using digital services in every single aspect of their lives and COVID and the lockdown has only accelerated that. There's no going back. There's no genie going back (laughs) in the bottle. You know, this is the way we are now. Um, So I think it really would be in their best interest. And I think this is, this is the the part of the conversation that I've always been sort of fascinated by. It is in their best interests. It actually will work for them Mm -hmm. you know it'll improve their business practices it'll improve their business model Um, so the the reluctance just needs to be put aside and embrace it.
0: You know one of the things that I have definitely seen through my experience of speaking to agents and you know through the Agile Agent program you know we work with a cohort of 12 agents every year and take them through the entire cycle of digital transformation from start to finish and it's fascinating what we learn there you know sometimes what we think the points of resistance are really point to something different and you know it's that old adage, it's never about what it's about. So it's not, you know, what we've seen is that it's not necessarily a reluctance to embrace new technologies. Sometimes it's an absolute fear because Margins have been driven so low in estate agencies right across Ireland. This is not an, uh, you know, it's not a rural versus urban. Right across the board in every market town in Ireland, as well as in every city. uh, There's this uh, really running to the lowest common denominator. You know, it is a little bit of a race to the bottom with low commissions. And it's so detrimental, not just to each individual agency, but to the industry itself, because if it remains such a low Margin business, then there can't be that investment in technology that's required to keep it at an excellent quality. So, look, the financial part of it has to be a big conversation. But I know that that's something that you specifically address. So, look, we'll we'll take a quick break now, and when we come back, we might just have, you know, we might get into detail there about video sharp and how that can actually help in terms of excellent delivery of service but also in a budget conscious way so again that's Anna Downs CEO and co-founder of Video Sharper we need to take a quick break now, stay tuned
1: 93.9 Dublin South FM
0: Howdy folks,
1: it's Ray M here letting you know that you can join me
0: each Friday evening for Country Sounds right here on Dublin South FM
2: I am a lineman for the county
1: Each Friday from 6pm, Country Sounds is going to bring you the very best in classic and contemporary Irish and American country music. So why not join me each Friday evening from 6 to 7pm right here on Dublin South FM for Ray M's Country Sounds. At the Credit Union, we look at things differently. So
2: whatever loan you're looking for, wedding loans, holiday loans, car or home improvement loans, make sure you talk to your local Capital Credit Union, where there are no hidden charges or early repayment penalties on your loan. We're not here for profit, we're here for people, people like you. Loans subject to approval, terms and conditions apply, Capital Credit Union Limited, regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Are you part of a local community group or representative organisation active in the Dunleary-Rathdown area? Why not join a network of over 400 such groups in the Dunleary-Rathdown Public Participation Network? You can join the group, influence local policy, get regular updates about funding and other opportunities, connect with other groups like yours, publicise your group and even get free training and support. Make sure your voice is heard through DLR Public Participation Network as a registered group in the county. Dunleary Rathdown Public Participation Network. For full information, find us online at dlrppn.ie. That's dlrppn.ie. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is... Is Dublin South FM.
0: Welcome back to our PropTech Ireland Property Matters Summer Special on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio Radio or by an email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. We're continuing our discussion with Anna Downs, CEO and co founder of Videosherpa.com. So, Anna, just before the break, you know, we were talking about how, you know, certainly uh, cost was a huge factor in slowing the take up of video across the, the property industry. Obviously, the pandemic has changed that um video sherpa ha- launched in 2019 um you might just talk us through how video sherpa works
1: of course it's a very simple system to use uh, we designed it so that anybody regardless if they had any video experience in the past would be able to to get up and running on the platform incredibly quickly so video sherpa helps companies to create their own video content themselves. And they do this in in a number of different ways. So they film using their own smartphone, but we give them a media kit. So they have all the equipment they need to get started and they film using our software. And it actually takes them step by step through the filming process. So they know exactly what they need to film, how many clips they need. And it's very easy for them to put this together in our editor. They can add their branding, add captions, they can record a voiceover, they can add music, they can uh, add closed captions if they want to share it on social media and then with one click they can get it out onto all the different social channels that they uh, promote their properties on. But the crucial thing about VideoSharpa that sort of makes it different to maybe the other, you know, uh, Matterports and, and 360 views is VideoShark allows you to film an awful lot more than just the physical four walls of the property. You can do your piece to camera, so you can get your branding up front. You can really promote yourself as the agent of note. You can promote the the reputation of your company overall, but you can also film footage of the locality um, and that you know give people some footage of the local town, of the amenities, the schools, the transport links, all that kind of stuff. And it's that sort of bigger picture, really that can entice somebody to consider a property that they may never have considered in the first place. Yeah, I video think, sharper yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say was it's the this, this sort of two other features that make it really, really uh, sort of a smart technology for companies. You have your own digital asset library. So you film some great footage of your town, your locality, all these amenities that I'm speaking about. You just add them to your library. Lo- reuse those again and again in other videos. So you're taking a little bit of time to film this footage and you're going to get more and more mileage out of it by being able to add that to all the videos in that locality. And that really sort of give a much bigger picture uh, for somebody who's looking to buy or looking to move across country or looking to move to Ireland or wherever the case may be. So by being able to kind of add that additional value piece that extra information that people are looking for you're going to really kind of get a, a bigger fuller picture of the property across to people absolutely but you're also need to collaborate so you can collaborate on the platform with the homeowner you can show them draft versions of the of the video get their approval and sign off and you can do all of that on the cloud 24/7 access there's absolutely no issue with that so it's a very smart streamlined uh, platform for people to use
0: And do the do the agents or do the users themselves actually edit the video
1: Yes, they do it all themselves. Do you, it's super easy
0: to do. Do you provide training in that? Because I know that's one thing actually that uh, people have been nervous about. Actually, do they have the do they have the uh, manpower or, or people power within the office to do that? You know, is it going to be a big time constraint?
1: Sure, we do provide training, Uh, we provide quite extensive training and there's a whole, as well as the training we give them when they sign up, there's also a whole library of short little videos that they can just look at when they want to do a quick refresher or figure out how to do something. Um, But you're right, I mean I think a lot of the time one of the initial maybe pieces of resistance we come across is, oh, I don't have time for this. You know, there's, and I think that's a legacy maybe of the last recession that the number of staff in estate agent's offices definitely diminished. And therefore the, the feeling of pressure, of time pressure is very acute. Whereas what we start to say to people is, okay, yeah, it's going to take you maybe, you know, an hour and a half to film and edit and get this video together. But how much time is that going to save you over the next you know, three, four, five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, two months in terms of showcasing that video. And not only is it going to save you time traveling over and back and over and back to show the video, to show the property, but it's also actually going to massively increase the number of views you're going to get online. And online is where everybody starts their property search. And properties with a video are proven to get up to 400 times the number of views the properties without a video tour associated with them so straight away if you are marketing two properties one has a video attached the other doesn't the one with the video is going to outperform the one without every single time yeah so you're doing a service to your seller you're actually impeding the the marketing of the property the number of people who are going to see it and share it and maybe show it to a colleague or show it to a family member who's looking in the area and so really it's ultimately going to save you loads more time than it's going to take you in creating the video.
0: Yeah, no, I, look, it, it makes absolute sense. And um, you mentioned there that you actually provide a kit. What is involved in that? Mm-hmm. Because people are using their smartphones. Um, uh, By the way, is is any modern smartphone now, uh, any contemporary phone, adequate quality for recording?
1: Pretty much. I mean, anything, anything in the last three to four years, the camera quality on it is excellent. Um You know, if you're still looking at your Nokia 3310, then forget about it. But certainly anything that people have bought in the last couple of years is going to be very, very good. The cameras are fantastic. What we provide them with, though, is the the minimum essential kit that they're going to need to get started. So it's the uh, DJI Osmo gimbal. Uh, It's the lapel mic so that their audio quality is crystal clear. Uh, The stabilizer ensures that the picture quality is crystal clear. And then we provide the connectors for the phone so they're just out of the box, ready to go.
0: Oh, excellent. That's a really good idea because actually gimbals are one of the, uh, one of the simplest tools that makes such a big difference for videos, actually, exactly. for if, if you're doing them yourself. One of the other things I really liked is that uh, you refer to their piece to camera. Now, that's something that actually estate agents have been loath to do. Almost everybody I've spoken to, very few feel confident uh, in front of the camera, very few. Uh, you know, it's a very difficult thing to start. Once you get started, you, you um, it it's actually gets a lot easier very quick. But it there seems to be a real mental block about getting started, whereas that definitely shifted when people were doing uh, walkthrough videos. Um, so it's one of the things I noticed in the last few months, um, you know, as the restrictions started to, you know, before the shutdown, just as restrictions were coming in straight away, we could see that estate agents were doing guided video tours through the property just on on their mobile speaking. Um through doing a speaking tour of the property and that in itself was a, was a big jump but the piece to camera is a great opportunity um in this online world to actually start to build a relationship and to build up trust with um would be buyers uh, and sellers so the piece to camera haven't the Option to do that, I think, really lifts a property compared to some of the, um, you know, turning photographs into videos or even some of the uh, the Matterport tours. The piece to camera is a p is can really be a competitive advantage uh, to estate agents um, themselves, not, not just yeah. about the property.
1: are our- exactly as you said, it's a trust industry. I mean, you know, you're as an estate agent, it's your service, it's your personal service that you're selling. Um, you know, every estate agency offers the same set of of services so it comes down to who are the individuals i'm going to be working with do i like them do i trust them do i want to work with them um and so if you're hiding behind you know maybe nerves about getting in front of the camera then you know it's time to maybe book a book a maybe one one hour training session with a speaker if you're nervous about it but oh my god it makes such a huge difference and we see this way more in the u.s you know they're not a bit shy about getting out in front of the camera and that really increases the brand profile um of their company so it's well worth Do it you know
0: it does but i'm always reminded you know 20 years ago when we started seeing um u.s business cards coming in with the faces on the business cards it was just something that was unheard of in ireland and then you start. Started to see a little bit of that in Ireland um, so I think the Irish way has always been so much more subdued um, and yes. unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately, that's carried forward right through to video and um, which is a shame because actually I've always thought in every particularly kind of in, in more rural areas or in regional towns um, generally speaking the auctioneers and estate agents have so much local knowledge so actually I love the idea which you were talking about there as in capturing the locality so you're taking it so far beyond the home because as anybody knows the property is about so much more than the four walls it is about not just the neighborhood but what the neighborhood is attached to and what the local amenities are so having a digital um a digital asset library where you could showcase the local park the local school um you know the local shopping facilities Mm -hmm. local restaurants everything and it's so good actually from a placemaking point of view you're showcasing a whole town you know so uh, uh, are, are you seeing are your clients actually taking advantage of that
1: yeah, and actually we've tried to use it in lots of different ways. So, for example, um, we have a, a property management company in the UK and they have also created for their tenants a whole library of short videos on how to do things in the home so for example how to bleed a radiator how to turn off the gas how to change um led spotlights you know all these little things for maybe new homeowners that they're not really quite sure what how to do and it saves the landlord having to come out and do all of that all the time for the tenant so you know video is has so many applications a lot of the time when we speak to our clients they come at it from they're coming at it from one perspective it's like oh i need a property to showcase this lovely house that's coming yeah. down uh, coming on on the market and and a lot of the time they kind of reserve video for only the best properties it's like oh this is an extra special marketing tool that we reserve for the best houses and we're not going to use it on just your you know bog standard three or four bedroom semi and I'm like but if it works to sell the great houses why wouldn't you use it on all your houses you know and it, it just it's it's about broadening the mindset and really yeah. thinking about all the different things that you can do is use with video because it's going to increase your return so why not use it as much as Anna well?
0: that is so funny I have heard so many agents say that that's a really special property so we do need a special one or you know uh, they are waiting to trial things like online bidding systems but we're waiting for the right property you know there, there is this I um, so I don't know is okay. it a kind of a procrastination is it an excuse or is it a really just not feeling comfortable and needing all the conditions to be optimum. I'm not sure, but that's a really interesting one because I've actually, I've heard that a lot. And so, Anna, before we let you go, uh, just in terms of budget, because as we've mentioned there, cost is such a huge consideration and unfortunately, property remains such a low margin, uh, low margin business, which to my mind actually should be driving prop tech solutions as opposed to being an impediment to it. But in terms of cost, uh, video VideoSherpa, for for the average estate agency, um, what would be the likely cost involved?
1: So, Video Sharper—it's three seventy-five a month. Uh, the, the agents can create up to sixty video projects a year. So, I mean, it really just allows them to create video on a huge percentage of the properties that they've got for sale. I mean, there's always going to be a few that you're never going to create a video yeah. for. Maybe the state of the property itself, or maybe if it's a land piece of land, you're not necessarily going to create a video around that if it's a site. Um, but it's incredibly cost effective i mean in terms of increasing the number of views the number of shares of the properties saving them time in terms of repeat visits and so on and now particularly when we have you know restrictions in terms of getting out to see places and i mean we're all hoping that lockdown won't be reinforced but You never know. Um, So I think people have to just start looking at in terms of what return it's going to bring for their business and how is it going to help them deliver on their targets for the rest of the year? It makes complete sense.
0: Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And more so than that, uh, the HSE guidelines continue to be that people should be only viewing properties after they have either had, uh, they've either looked at a video or gone through a virtual reality tour or something like that. So essentially, uh, in-person viewings are still the the second point. for any transaction. And it's really important to remember that that's actually in the guidelines. It's not just um it's not just a recommendation. It's an important one. Um okay, so Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. Look, it's really interesting to just get the backstory of Showhouse and how that has transitioned into Video Sherpa. And I'm delighted to hear that there's been great market traction with Video Sherpa. And I can only imagine that's going to improve now given the conditions that we have here. So again, anybody who's interested in having the in having a, a very easily maintained video strategy certainly head over to videosherpa.com and um, that was Anna Down, CEO and co-founder of Videosherpa we need to, I'm so sorry we need to take another quick break stay tuned and after the break we'll be chatting to Ken Tobin of HQ Kerry co-working hubs in Tralee and Listowel.
1: Everything's
2: Fine on 93.9
1: Dublin South FM Oh will you look at them go I wish I had their energy Ah oh, they're good for the soul though aren't they I can't imagine life without Lucky. (laughs) But he might outlive me yet. Oh, well, take my advice and sign up for a Dogs Trust canine care card. It's completely free, and it's given me such peace of mind since I did. What's that? Well, it's simple, really. It means if you pass away before Lucky, Dogs Trust will take him in and give him the care and love he needs until they match him with the perfect forever home. That sounds terrific. How much did you say it costs? It doesn't cost a cent. Great! How do I sign up? Just text CARE to 50100 and they'll call you with more information, or you can go to dogstrust.ie. Well, that's wonderful advice. I'll do that right away. <coughs> Here, Lucky! <coughs> Good boy!
2: Whatever loan you're looking for wedding loans, holiday loans, car or home improvement loans make sure you talk to your local Capital Credit Union, where there are no hidden charges or early repayment penalties. On your loan. Loans subject to approval, terms and conditions apply. Capital Credit Union Limited, regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Senior Line is a confidential
0: telephone service for older people. Free phone 1800 80 45 91. We're open every day of the year from 10am till 10pm, including Christmas Day and New Year. So it's free phone 1800 80 45 91. We're there if you need someone to talk to and need someone to listen. We're older people too, so we will understand, and we're very good at listening. Did you get the Senior Line number? It's free phone 1-800-80-45-91.
2: Your community radio for South Dublin. This is is Dublin South FM.
0: Now, today we're joined by Ken Tobin, co-owner of HQ Kerry, and we're down on location in Tralee. Ken, thank you so much for accommodating
2: us. You're very Um, welcome.
0: So we're here in your second co-working or flexible working space in Tralee. So um, obviously, over the last number of weeks and months on the show, we've been talking about the evolution of offices and almost trying to, you know, almost trying to predict where the ball is going to land, which is difficult at this point. But you're in the unique position here that your facility was open throughout COVID-19.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I suppose we learned from that. We had a number of essential workers based in each of our three buildings. We have two in Tralee and one in Listole, And they were working for essential services. And then we also donated part of one of our buildings in Tralee to the local guardies as an overflow, kind of a COVID response space. So we learned through them as to what measures we needed to put in place. Um, luckily enough, we don't have a huge amount of open plan. You know, we've very much gone along the lines that most of our co-working hubs are private individual offices. We have an element of the traditional hot desking spaces and shared meeting rooms and all of those. So we haven't had a huge amount of ad- adaptation to do. But what we have done, we managed to do during the lockdown period and figured that out.
0: Uh, yeah, That's excellent. Well, let's, let's take a step back. Um, how long... How long did it uh, go to the first
2: HQ Ooh, open? Uh, feels like an eternity ago, but it's actually only September of twenty sixteen. We opened our first building, okay. and then within twelve months we opened our second building because of the demand that was there. <laughs> And, and in, they were
0: both in Tralee?
2: Both in Tralee, side by side on, on, on adjoining streets. So we're um, on
0: Dominic Street now. We're in
2: Dominic Street now. Our first building, the, the, the kind of the, the largest of our three buildings, is on Abbey Street. Um, it's, it was a vacant building when we took it. It was one of the, the Celtic Tiger era buildings, which was the previous recession, not the one we're going through now. Yeah. Um, but it was vacant for about 12 years. It was a shell and core building. And when we came in, we knew exactly what we needed to do with us. But we worked with a lot of our kind of key people we brought in at an early stage that were going taking space off of us so that we could I suppose develop the ideal co-working hub based on their needs as opposed to what we've read and would have seen in other locations we knew what was out there maybe in some of the larger cities may not necessarily work in a regional town like Tralee Um, so we opened that building in September 2016 Within one month, it was full, and we had a waiting list developed. So we went back, and we and we and we acquired the building uh, alongside us, and we took on three floors of that building and fitted that out. And a year later, the second hub literally opened. Um, but we weren't satisfied with that. So a year later, in September of 2018, we opened our hub in Listole. Now, the hub in Lestol is, is much smaller on a scale because Listole is a smaller town mm-hmm. um, about 25, 30 minutes away from Tralee. Um, but I suppose it was almost an experimental hub for us to see... Could a co-working hub work in a much smaller rural location? You know, listola has got a population of around 4,000 people. It's not massive, um, but an amazing, vibrant town, great for business. And we saw a huge opportunity there for us. And I suppose the one thing that we've seen out of the COVID-19 pandemic is the remote working evolution and how quickly that has accelerated. Now all three hubs are full, which is fantastic. Um, You know, it's looking forward now, where do we go next and what way is remote working going to go, you know, what decisions are going to be made in the larger cities, in the large office developments that's going to influence smaller towns like Tralee and, and other towns around the regional areas around Ireland.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one because, um, you know, you talk about opening the new place in um, listowel mm-hmm. and obviously I remember two decades ago listowel was one of the places that was, really targeted um, as a hub for government decentralisation. Yeah. And much to the frustration of local people, you know, that, that was a long time coming and it never came the way it was expected. And so from that point of view, it's interesting to see, you know, 20 years on, where, you know, we're really starting to see uh, the trend in a very different direction, which is uh, not decentralization, but more remote work. And obviously not just for state, but for private companies. So um, in terms of like, you clearly, um, together with your team, you've clearly established demand and and recognized the demand, but probably helped to fuel that as well. Mm -hmm. But the people who are coming in, um, your tenants, your occupiers, at the moment, are they... Do they tend to be self-employed entrepreneurs or are they using the space to avoid commuting to head offices in larger locations?
2: I suppose kind of pick on both teams. The decentralization at the time was probably ahead of its time. The technology wasn't there, but also maybe the concept was slightly wrong because what we are, through our own experience, people choose parish first. You know, it it always drives people then, you know, pretty much everybody that we have here that have relocated here would have had some connection with the locality. You know, whether that is through relations or maybe originally from the place and and immigrated and came back. Um, Whereas decentralization at the time was about pushing people, you know, square square peg round hole mentality, pushing people to maybe somewhere they didn't want to be. They did want to decentralize, but they actually wanted to go home you know, and raise the family. And, you know, our demographic here of people that have returned are at that age level. You know, we do have some in, in, you know, and, and in particular more recently in the kind of early 20s, these cool tech people that we all like to see. We've got some of them. But for the most part, the people that have really returned here want to do it to raise a family. You know, the cost of living here is a lot more affordable. Obviously, counties like Kerry have an incredible quality of life, the scenery and everything around us. But on top of that then it's you know access to schools, access to education for the future kids that are coming down the line and people are making those plans. But we've also found that some of the entrepreneurs that relocated their businesses here did it because they weren't big enough to compete with the larger companies in the larger cities and therefore were losing some of their key staff because they were being poached off them, And they couldn't pro- compete with them on price to keep those staff. So they came back here to rebuild their businesses and to grow their staff count. And you know, so far, and you know, it, it, it's kind of a, almost a regret of ours, but it's something we're proud of as well is that some companies have come back here and have outgrown our hopes yeah. and have ended up taking their own buildings in the town. You know, we, over, over, over recent years, we've had people that have come back on their own or maybe a small team. And now we're up to 10, 15, 20 people. But we didn't have the capacity to take that size. Most of our hub is smaller. We do have some space for large teams of 20, 30. But for the vast majority, it's ones to fours is our office space size. Yeah. Um, and that's,
0: that's an interesting one because it's almost like being penalized for success. And yet the purpose of you being here is to fuel the success of, yeah. the, of the tenant companies within it. So th- look, there there's a natural um outgrowing process which is massively successful for the town.
2: It's hugely successful for the town, I suppose we're slightly different to the vast majority of hubs. We're probably more similar to the large city hubs in that we're one hundred percent private owned. Um we don't have and never have taken any public funding to do what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, which holds us back to a certain degree but it also gives us a little bit of flexibility that we can react quickly to changes and we because we're incentivized it is our business we need to make it financially work it hurts us to a certain degree financially when those businesses outgrow us even though from a philanthropy side and pride side it's great to see it happen you know so we do know that in coming years we have to start looking at that next step space you know that if We managed to secure those businesses here, and they want to outgrow these buildings that we have. That we have something maybe they can step into as a new space for them, and that's our next phase. Um, you know, towns like Tralee probably don't get the headlines when jobs of five, ten, or fifteen are created because you know those headlines are reserved for the large FDI. But actually, it's happening on a daily basis. There are companies relocating for quality of life, for affordability, but also to make them more competitive mm-hmm. and to make them more sustainable as a business. Um, and that staff retention is probably a big driving force behind it. They're the areas that we support. It isn't just about a physical building, mm-hmm. it's supporting the growth of those companies. And if we can continue to do that, maybe there is the possibility of larger companies coming here eventually.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I think that. Every business within a town almost needs to be looked at within the, the context of that town. Mm. And Tralee, you're from Tralee yep. originally. Um, so what was your background?
2: Oh, mixed. <laughs> um, originally, if you go way back into the annals of time, I qualified as a quantity surveyor. Um, that was so. Property,
0: property was property, there. Property's
2: in the blood to a certain degree, and I understand the bricks and mortar trade, and I know what's involved in getting the most out of a building. Um, but also, we appreciate the design element and everything that's required. Mm-hmm. Um, my business partner in this, Tom O'Leary, is a small business consultant. That's what he has done all his life, um, helping SMEs and helping the growth of SMEs, so it was almost a happy marriage.
0: That's a very uh, synergistic
2: yeah, partnership. It was, and I suppose, you know, I've, I've, I've been out of the QSing game now for, geez, dare I say, about 15, 16 years at this stage. and. Got bitten by the self-employment bug. So I've had a number of businesses. Some have worked, some haven't worked. Luckily enough, um, you know, we own a restaurant in town. I head up the local Chamber of Commerce centrally. So, you know, small business, growing business, it's in my DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't forgotten my education, the analytical side of developing properties. So we have to marry the two all our skills that we have to make this work. You know
0: that that's a really good skill set to bring. You know, again, you know, you talked about kind of the the startups where you have your kind of young trendy twenty something year olds. Where mm. actually we know now that um, the average age of successful founders is actually forty four, which is yeah. almost double what people might have expected it to be. Mm. And that's something that you know I find really refreshing and heartening um, to talk about because actually it's it's. All of the experiences, trying things, what works, what doesn't work, what doesn't work teaches us just as Mm. much. So there's a much, I I, I think that over time people are building tool bags that they don't even realise they have until they go.
2: Oh, I think we learn the most from our failures. That's the reality of it. I mean, the mistakes we make, and I remember in our first businesses, Jesus, the mistakes I made, I would never repeat them again. And that's a good learning curve for me. And, you know, we try to support the businesses that come through us with what we've learned ourselves but it isn't just us you know we kind of foster this community within our hubs where they learn from their peers around them from the other business owners and you know what remote workers are owners of medium-sized businesses are a huge vehicle for driving growth in the smaller enterprises that come true you know, to a certain degree, we don't have a huge amount of startups in our hubs. Yeah. Um, we kind of made the commercial decision when we started out that was not the space we were going to be in. Um, but it's the, a very
0: vulnerable space to be in in terms it of is. cash flow. It's a chaotic. It, you know, it's a chaotic time commercially. Mm. Um, it,
2: but we weren't best placed to provide the resource to them. I mean, you know, Tralee is lucky. We've got a very good, strong accelerator uh, hub in Tralee, the Tom Green Center, which has got a very strong pedigree of supporting startups through the New Frontiers program. We, we all, we, from the outset, we acknowledged they are best placed to do that. Mm-hmm. Let them do that. And we... Anybody that contacts us from a startup space, we always direct them first to the New Frontiers, and we work working in collaboration with them and with uni- the now university that's coming into Tralee of You know, of course, from, that's huge from news. IT. Huge news because yeah. you know what? It puts a profile on Tralee that as a town, we are now u- a university town, and with that, it supports the culture and the drive that's always been there, but maybe not recognised as much. And the same for Listol. Listol has got a vibrancy about it. There's a reason why a town like Listol wins tidy towns. It's because there's a strong community, a strong vibe. In the town. Mm-hmm. And despite the pandemic and despite the impact of that on business, you can see opportunities and growth in towns like Tralee and Listole and many other towns up, up the west coast.
0: Yeah, and well, in terms of, you're well placed then, you know, particularly in Tralee, but indeed Listole as well, to look in terms of commercial buildings. Mm. Is there much vacant? Like, you know, you identified the first building that you went into was vacant for 12 years. Now, obviously, that was coming out of the crash. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think sometimes it's very distorted when we talk about the recovery because I work right across Ireland. So I never bought into this idea that we had a recovery in any particular year because I know there's so many regions that never recovered. You know, Mm -hmm. there's businesses that never reopened. There's petrol pumps you know, still boarded up, there's houses yeah. that never
2: got completed. Well, like ever before the pandemic hit, um, all the Western uh, counties from Sligo right down as far as County Clare were reclassified by the EU as being counties in recession. Mm-hmm. Um, in reality, Kerry would have been one of those as well, only they were classed in with Cork. And we know Cork is thriving, and rightly so. Cork is, is, is an amazing city. Um Is there buildings available? Unfortunately, we have a lot of repurposing to do. You know, we we're not driven by the commercial forces of property development in towns like Tralee, where we have large developers coming in and taking on swathes of land and building the grade A buildings that we need as a town to develop. So we have to look at what we do have. Um, There are supports that are out there for the larger cities that towns like Tralee need, like the Living City initiatives and various other ones, where we can look at repurposing our existing buildings they're not going to accommodate, you know, large companies of two, three, four, five hundred people and thousands of people into one building. But what they would accommodate if repurposed would be smaller organisations, smaller companies, back-end solutions, 2nd site solutions. All of that is possible. Yeah. It does require a concerted effort that isn't currently there at the moment, unfortunately.
0: Where does that need to come from?
2: It needs to come from a national level, and that's the reality of it. Um, you know, if you look at the commercial hubs that have been developed They've been developed because maybe a few people have got behind it, whether that look at the Ludgate hub. There was a few local people on the ground, got behind it, got a bit of support. You know, same for our hub here. Myself and Tom got behind it. We said we're going to make this happen. That isn't the norm. That's why it hasn't happened everywhere. But yet you walk through the town centres, you know, and Tralee is no different to any town along the west coast and in the Midlands. There is a huge level of vacancy above the ground level. Mm -hmm. those buildings have to be repurposed, but it's far too cheap to develop on a greenfield site. But if we look at how the towns are going to sustainably develop, developing on the periphery of towns is not the solution. We want to bring people back into the town centres working and living. We have an existing portfolio property there. They need to be incentivised to redevelop those.
0: But even walking through some of the back streets to Mm. get to where we're coming today, which is, of course, on a pedestrianised street off a pedestrianised square... Um, away from where, say, I was parking the car, yeah, you can still see uh vacant retail.
2: Yeah, tons of it. And yeah. the reality is, you know, retail is, that is going the kind through
0: kind of repurposing though that George talking yes. about.
2: Yeah, that's part of it. Um, I mean, like you know, certainly we've seen over the past number of years, retail has gone through a little bit of a revolution at the moment. Online is hurting it out of town to a certain degree, but they're probably going through the same issues now, and we see vacancy in out of town retail. Um. You know we have a lot of retail space in town centers that will never probably become retail again you know and we have to look and most counties are going through a county development stage at the moment and they're saying right in 2028 and 2040 what will our towns look like well that's where we start we start at in 2028 we want those buildings used that's the first premise and whether that is residential or offices or some alternative use that isn't retail because retail probably won't come back to the same degree and we work our way backwards how do we enable those business buildings to be repurposed now and a lot of buildings will become residential we hope okay. a lot of buildings will become offices for smaller companies and startups they'll be repurposed into art and community hubs some may become retail. Some may become coffee shops and bars. You know, but we need to start on the principle that clustering towns into retail zones that will never become retail again is leading to mass vacancy in town centres. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we can take I can take you out. You know, into any town in the country, and you will see it from the largest to the smallest. That there is entire streets that need help and need yeah. support.
0: Yeah, uh, um, I, I think it, this is actually a conversation that is happening in Dublin for pockets of Dublin mm. as well. And that is, you know, when we are not using all of the building, then we have this scenario where the town's shut down at yep. night. So I think Listowel is maybe a different example because mm-hmm. of the layout of the town, but also Listowel actually has quite a high population of people living over yeah. there, their premises much more than I've seen in any other town. But say for the likes of Tralee, mm-hmm. um, you know, in your experience... You know, at six, seven o'clock in the evening, all shuts down. Like, what life is
2: going yeah. to in Yeah, and I suppose if there's nobody living in a town centre mm-hmm. and if the younger generation aren't being attracted back to a town centre, it's going to impact on the nightlife. You know, and I know Catherine Martin has established a nighttime task force now, mm-hmm. you know, which will become critical going forward. I'd have issues that maybe some of the right people are not on that. There's not enough private sectors, not, not enough people that are involved in town centres on that. You know, it's not going to change. You know, we've gone through a a cultural shift in regards to how nighttime economy is going to work in towns. After the last recession, we lost the student population. You know, drinking in house parties became the norm. But that was driven because of the fact that the money wasn't there at the time to enable them to go out four or five nights a week like we were used to when we went to college. That cultural shift has now happened with the wider population because we've got used to the house party culture, you know our town centres at night are going to suffer unless people start living and working back in the towns. And it is a chicken and egg egg situation. We need quality, vibrant towns to attract those people, but we need to attract those people to make them quality and vibrant. And that support structure has not been considered at national
1: level.
0: Yeah, you you know, I I love that as you're saying that, we're sitting doing this interview in your office Mm. on Dominic Street in Tralee and I'm looking over your shoulder out the window to... Fabulous mural on the it's, wall.
2: The HQ created.
0: It, and it, it's yeah. stunning. Like, you know, you talk about vibrant communities. That's, you know, that is the the demonstration of placemaking right there. Yeah,
2: yeah, you know? it, so, it is. And when we've established the first building back in 2016, we were looking at a 60 foot by 30 foot big grey monstrosity of a wall. And that's not what we wanted the people that are working in the hub to see every day. So we worked with some of the local businesses and we matched whatever they came up with. And we brought in a local artist to paint this giant mural, which has become the most Instagrammed thing in Trilogy. Yeah, no, it's fabulous. And it is. It's stunning. But what it did was it lifted the area and and the, the area needed a lift. It was a really nice street. And now we've got a nice vibrant mix of businesses around us. That rely a
0: cafe just downstairs that I plan to hit up next.
2: My cafe, yeah.
0: Is it <laughs> yes I, d- see, I, yes. Mean, I didn't it even pre- know that.
2: It pre it pre existed the <laughs> hubs actually as as it happened. But it's it's my it's, to be honest with you, I say it's mine, but actually my wife yeah. she she is the brains behind that one. Well no I problem. can tell
0: you coffee stop is my next isn't my next stop. <laughs> but um, Ken, thank you so much for allowing me to very much on spec. Call in Thank today, you. take a look at the premises because again it 's something that i 've been watching the progress online it 's amazing you know when it comes to placemaker when it comes to supporting the startup ecosystem and and the developing mm-hmm. businesses as they mature and being a support there for them you know it 's really good to see that you're you're really walking the walk um, so um, no, genuinely, It's a, no it 's it's an impressive setup and best of luck to you so before we let you go, I know you talked about you know maybe offices for Businesses who outgrow the, the smaller mm-hmm. serviced office space, you know, what they move to. Yeah. What's next? What's next for uh, what's, HQ Kerry? What's
2: next for HQ Kerry? We do have our eyes on a couple of properties. Um, we're, 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 we're kind of, I suppose, before we were very gung-ho about our approach to it, if, we fe- if it felt right, we did it, and that was just gut instinct. Now it's very hard to predict what way things are gonna go. You know, we don't know what way things are gonna return for the larger employers in the city locations, whether they're gonna look at outsourcing some of their staff to regional areas, second site and all the rest. If we have a better understanding of what way that's going to go, we'll be able to push the button. Um, there are opportunities, there are repurposing opportunities in Tralee and in Listowel that we're looking at at the moment. We're also looking at developing a hub in Abbeyfield and County Limerick, actually, as it happens. It. Yeah. So, you know, they're coming on stream. Um, when they'll happen will probably be dictated by some of the larger employers in the larger cities. You know, we would hope that, you know, this time next year, we're looking at the fourth building and possibly the fifth building up and running. Right now, we can't say for 100% certain, but we are ready to go.
0: Okay, great to hear. Again, that was Ken Tobin, co-owner of HQ Kerry. Thank you for joining Thank us. You. That's it from us today. Thank you for listening in to PropTech Ireland Property Matters Summer Special on Dublin South FM. You can get in touch with the show on Twitter at iProperty Radio or by emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Also, my thanks to Peter Rice on sound and show producer Katie Talon of Hear Me Roar Media. We're back at the same time next week from myself, Carol Talon, and all the team here. Stay safe.